We are in the middle of a topic, towards the end of this particular topic, about Zika, and whether or not there is a strong connection between the brother-in-law and the sister-in-law before anything takes place. After the brother passes away, before Yibam or Chalitza takes place, do we say that there's some sort of form of marriage engagement here, where... Uh, the brother-in-law then becomes forbidden to the sister-in-law's relatives. It's like they're, it's like they're engaged, uh, and there's a dispute about that. So we're going to conclude the topic, and then we're also going to start uh, the next Mishnah. So where it says, Amr of Kahana, Amrisha Lashmaisa Kamedra of Zvid Minaradai, Rav Kahana said, I recited the, the previous discussion in front of Rav Zvid of Naradai, Again, the previous discussion from the last recording was about Rav Yehuda. We know that Rav Yehuda is of the opinion, Yezika, that there is this strong connection. And the Gemara was trying to figure out, well, where did he get it from? Which, which uh, one of his rabbeim, of his teachers, did he get this from? Was it from Rav? Was it from Shmuel? And so the Gemara said that it was from Shmuel. And you can't say that it was from Rav, because we know that Rav Huna said in the name of his teacher, in the name of Rav, that ain't Zika, that there is no... Zika, there is no such strong connection. And therefore, it must be that it's coming from Shmuel. And we had a source that Shmuel said, Yesh Zika, that there is this strong connection. So he said this, Rav Kana, relate all of this to Rav Zvid. So he said back that you learned it this way, that it was out of a, out of a deduction, that, it was, that Rav Yehuda got it from Shmuel. No, we know it explicitly. We said it explicitly. Amar Rehuda Shmuel. Shmuel said. Rehuda said in the name of Shmuel. Shomer Hashem Shemesa Aser Ba'ama. Bi'ima. That Shmuel said that in a situation where the sister-in-law and the brother-in-law, the brother already passed away, the sister-in-law then passes away, that the brother-in-law is now forbidden to marry the sister-in-law's mother. Why? Alma Kasavar Yesh Zika. Because we must hold Yesh Zika. And Shmuel fits with his own opinion, because elsewhere, that Shmuel said elsewhere, we had this on yesterday's recording, Shmuel says that we follow the opinion of Rabbi Huda ben Basira. What was the case? The case is where there are two brothers who are alive. Right? One brother passed away, but now there are two brothers alive, a total of three in the beginning, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Reuven passed away, then you have Shimon and Levi who are alive. And Reuven's wife has to do Yibam or Chalitza. And so Shimon marries, during that time period, marries uh, Ruvain's wife. Let's say Ruvain's wife is Rachel. Shimon marries Leah, Rachel's sister. And Rabbi Huda ben says, you know what, because of Yezika, because of this principle that there's already a strong connection, they really only got engaged. Sorry, they didn't get married. They only got engaged. Uh, Shimon, one of the Lai brothers, and Rachel's sister, Leah. So he says, wait until Levi, the third brother, does even Rachelitza with Rachel, with Ruvain's wife. And then you could go and complete the marriage. You shouldn't complete it until uh, Levi does even Rechalitza with Rachel. Because of Yeish Zika. The same idea that there's Yeish Zika, that you shouldn't get, be married because then it's like you're married to two sisters. Yeish Zika makes such a strong connection that it's like you're married to two, sis- two sisters. Wait for the other brother to do something. Once the other brother does something, even Rechalitza, it's like the Zika has been removed. Like there was no Zika there between Shimon and Ruben's wife, Rachel. Because Levi was the one that got involved, and then Shimon could go and marry uh, his engaged Leah, who he's currently engaged to. He could then marry her. 
So the Gemara then says, we need both cases. What are both cases referring to? The case that we just mentioned of the two brothers who are alive and one brother marries the sister of the potential Yevama, those of the sister of the sister-in-law. And that was one case where we said, Yezikar Shmuel said that you should wait. That brother after he got engaged should wait till the other brother does Yimurchlitza in order to marry Leah. That was one case. The other case was the, also the case that we mentioned before where the sister-in-law passes away. Regular case of Yibam. One brother-in-law, one sister-in-law, the sister-in-law passes away. And Shmuel says, because of Yezika, there's this strong connection, you are forbidden. The brother-in-law is forbidden to marry his sister-in-law's mother. Why do we need both cases? So we go back to a principle that we had also in the past. And if we only had the first case, the case of the sister-in-law's mother being forbidden even after the sister-in-law passes away, I might have thought, Yezika, this strong connection only applies if he's the only brother-in-law. If he's the only brother-in-law, so then it makes sense to say that there's such a strong connection. But let's say there are two brothers. If we say that there are two brothers, so maybe it's impossible to say, potentially, one could have said that you can't, it's impossible to say that she has this strong connection to both brothers. If there are multiple brothers that are alive, maybe we say, Ain Zika, that you don't have such a strong connection. Like the case of the other case of Shmuel, where you had two brothers, and then one of the brothers marries the sister of the sister-in-law. There are two brothers, so maybe it's not like there's such a strong connection between the sister-in-law and brother-in-law, uh, unlike what Shmuel said. So no, it's to tell us that whether there's one brother or whether there's two brothers, there is that strong connection. That's why we need both cases in one direction. We also need both direction, both cases in the other direction. What if I only had the case of Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra? The case of where we had two brothers. One of the brothers marries uh, the sister of the sister-in-law, and we say that you should wait, they got engaged, sorry, uh, and you should wait to get married until the other brother does even Rechalitza. Well, that's a case where the sister-in-law is alive. She was alive the entire time. So I could have said that maybe Zika only exists while the sister-in-law is alive. But let's say the sister-in-law were to pass away before Yibam Rechalitza is done. I could have entertained the possibility that if she passed away, that they didn't actually go through the process. If they didn't actually end up going through the process, maybe we say retroactively, Ein Zika. There is no such connection. Kamash Malan, then no, we also have to have the other case. The other case being uh, where the sister-in-law does pass away, we say that the brother-in-law is forbidden to marry the sister-in-law's mother. Even after the sister-in-law passes away, we still say that there is that strong connection, even though nothing took place. Yibam didn't take place. Chaliza didn't take place. There still is that strong connection to say that you are forbidden to the relatives of the sister-in-law. Okay, that concludes uh, the discussion for now of Yesh Zika, Ein Zika, and concludes the Gemara, the whole Gemara's understanding of it. And now we have a new Mishnah. We're up to a new Mishnah, the second Mishnah of the Perak, of the chapter. Again, the first Mishnah was discussing Eishis Achav Shaloya Ba'olamo. It was discussing the case of the brother who's not alive uh, during the time of when the first brother was alive. Uh, so we had that first Mishnah, just to review that first Mishnah, because it's going to be important to provide context for the next Mishnah and the Gemara. We already discussed one case. What was that one case? That case is where uh, there are two brothers. One brother is married without any children, and he passes away. Right? He passes away without any children. And then... Levi's born. So Reuben was married without any children. He passes away. Shimon was, has been always been alive. And then Levi's born after Reuben passes away. That's one case of Eishas Echav Shaloha Yabalama. We say that Levi is exempt, completely exempt from doing the mitzvah of Yibom 
or chalitza. The mission now discusses a second case. Now let's see the mission inside. Shnei achim, let's say you have the following case. You have two brothers, umes achimahan, so Reuben and Shimon, Reuben passes away. What happens is that before Levi's born, Levi's not born yet, but Shimon then goes and does yibam with Reuben's wife, with Rachel. So now Shimon is married to Rachel. And then afterwards, Levi's born. So it's not that Levi's born before Shimon did Yibam, but Levi, which was the first case in the last Mishnah. But this case is a case where Shimon did Yibam. And then Levi's born afterwards. And Shimon then dies without any children. So Rachel was first married to Reuven. Then Reuven died. Then Shimon was married to Rachel because they did Yibam. And then Shimon dies. And after, well, before Shimon dies, but Levi's born after Shimon, before Shimon dies, but after he did Yibam, what's the halacha? Harishona yotzah mishum eishas achav shele ba'alamo, v'hashniya mishum tzarasa. The halacha is the same exact halacha. Let's say Shimon did Yibam with Rachel. Let's say he also had another wife, Leah. So we say both are exempt from Levi, even though Levi is born after Shimon did Yibam. So from Levi's perspective, from Levi's life perspective, Rachel might not even be viewed as Reuven's wife because from his perspective, it was always just Shimon's wife. He wasn't around when Rachel was married to Reuven. He was around when Shimon was married to Rachel. So you could have said that, you know what, maybe that's not a case of Eishis Echav Shalom where they weren't, the brothers weren't alive at the same time because Levi was alive at the same time as Shimon. Levi was born after Shimon did Yibam to Rachel before he passed away. But no, that's not what the first opinion says. The first opinion says that even in this case, because Rachel also was married to Reuven, and Reuven was not alive during Levi's lifetime, so then Rachel is exempt because it's a case of Eishas Echav Shalei It's a case where Levi is totally exempt because he was not alive when Reuven was alive. And with regards to her co-wife, if Shimon was also married to Leah, Leah is also exempt because she is the co-wife. Ah, uh, and the Gemara just continues, sorry, the Mishnah continues, Let's say Shimon didn't do Yibum uh, before Levi was born, but he did what we call Ma'amar, which is the rabbinic decree to have some sort of an engagement. It's a rabbinic decree to have this engagement. Uh, so then we say, And then Levi's born. So we say for sure with regards to Rachel, Rachel is exempt from Yibam or Chalitza because she's still connected to Reuben. And Reuben and Levi were never alive at the same time. But what about the other wife of Shimon? So Shimon did Mamar, did this rabbinic engagement to Rachel. Rachel is completely exempt. But what about Leah? Shimon's fully married to Leah. So in that case, we don't know. It's uh, because they did Mamar, so then there's reason to say that it's like a co-wife. There's reason to say it's not a co-wife. On a rabbinic level, it might be a co-wife. On a biblical level, it's not a co-wife because on a biblical level, Mamar was not required. This idea of uh, some sort of engagement was not required. So on a biblical level, they're really not viewed as co-wives. If they're not viewed as co-wives, or since it's questionable whether they're not their co-wives, uh, so then for Leah, they should do Chalitza. Just like we had that, we said had the same law in the first Mishnah when Levi was born before Yibam did Ma'amar, or before, Yib, uh, before Shimon did uh, Yibam. So that's the case here. The case of this new Mishnah is the difference between the case of this new Mishnah and the previous Mishnah is that in this Mishnah, Levi was born after Shimon did Yibam. Or Levi was born after, did Sh- after Shimon did Mamar, which makes it a very different case. In the first Mishnah, it was beforehand. So at least before anything happened, Levi, the relationship between Levi and Rachel was one of Levi being exempt from doing Yibam or Chalitza because 
Levi was never alive during the same time period as Reuven, as Rachel's first wife, first husband. Uh, this case is very different because Levi is born after Shimon did Yibam. So from Levi's perspective, Rachel, you could entertain the possibility, possibility that Rachel is really just Shimon's wife from Levi's perspective. And it's not viewed as Levi not being alive during Reuven's time. Levi was alive during Shimon's time when Shimon was married to Rachel. But still, the first opinion says no. Uh, they, there is an exemption of Yibam Rachelitza because Rachel is still viewed as continuation of Reuven. Reuven and Le- Levi were never alive at the same time. Comes Rub Shimon. The next opinion. Rub Shimon. Comes Rub Shimon and he says, Rub Shimon Omer, no, miyabim le'eze shi'yirtza, ocholeitz le'eze shi'yirtza. He argues, and we're going to see exactly what case is he arguing about. But he argues on some case where he says that no, when you have the situation of two wives, where Shimon has two wives, let's say. It's unclear exactly what the case is, whether Rup Shimon's arguing just on this case of the Mishnah, where Levi's born after Shimon, before Shimon, uh, sorry, after Shimon did Yibam, or is he also arguing on a case where Levi was born before Shimon did Yibam? It's unclear. We'll see this in the Gemara in a minute. Uh, but the point is that Rup Shimon says that once uh, Levi's born, and then at some point in time, Shimon does Yibam, and he's married to both Rachel and Leah, and he argues on this opinion, and he says that, you know what? You could do Yibam to one wife, um, or you could do Chalitza to one wife. It doesn't make a difference. You could do Yibam to one, you could do Chalitza to one. Uh, it doesn't make a difference, and that's perfectly fine. And we're going to try to understand Rup Shimon's opinion here. We first have to understand which case is he arguing about. And then we're going to understand, try to understand uh, uh, this opinion of Rup Shimon. Okay. So the Gemara, we'll read a little bit of the Gemara, and then we will stop. The Gemara says as follows, Amar Rabbi Yoshe, Rabbi Yoshe says, Chalakai Rabbi Shimon, Af Barishona. Rabbi Shimon argues even on the first case of the Mishnah. Again, we had two cases in the Mishnah. Case number one of the Mishnah was from the first Mishnah. That first Mishnah has had the case. Ruvain passes away. Shimon and Rachel have this potential for Yibam. It, before anything takes place, Levi's born. And in that situation, Levi's relationship with Rachel is like a sister-in-law which has an exemption of Yibam because... He was never alive when Reuven was alive. That's case number one. Case number two, which is our Mishnah, is where Reuven passes away without any children. Rachel, his wife, and Shimon, the brother-in-law, they do Yibam. Shimon is married to Rachel. And after that, Levi is born. After that, Levi is born. And so that is the second case. Reb Oshia says that when Reb Shimon argues in our Mishnah, he's not just arguing on the second case, but he's even arguing on the first case. Even in a situation where Levi was born before Shimon did anything. Shimon didn't do Yibam, didn't do Chalitza. And then Levi's born, there also is an exemption of Yibam. Sorry, there also is still an obligation. Rabbi Shimon would argue that Levi, after Shimon mar- does Yibam with Rachel, that Levi then, if, if Shimon passes away with any children, Levi can then go ahead and do Yibam as well, to either Rachel or to Leah, Leah being Shimon's other wife. And Rabbi Shimon really argues on both cases. How do we know that? Mimai. Again, We have two cases, right? We have <clears throat> the second case of the Mishnah, which is where Levi is born after Shimon does Yibam, 
And in that case, where you might have entertained the possibility that, you know what, Levi should have, it's not viewed as Levi not being alive at the same time, because from Levi's perspective, it's Raphael is married to Shimon. And Shimon was alive during Levi's lifetime. And you could have said that maybe there is a mitzvah of Yibam. There, even in that case, the Rabbanan say it's not allowed. So then if you have that case, there's no reason to bring down the first case. So then certainly in the first case, where Levi was born before Yibam was done, so then certainly in that case, Levi would be exempt from doing Yibam Rechalitza because it's Rachel's viewed as Ruvain's wife, where Ruvain was not alive at the same time as Levi. So if it's all from the perspective of the Rabbanan of the first opinion, then there's no need to have the first case. All we need to have is the second case. Once we know that in the second case there's no mitzvah of Yibam or Chalitza, then certainly in the first case there's no mitzvah of Yibam or Chalitza. So the Gemara says, El alav l'Rab Shimon Yitzrich. V'tana reisha l'odiyach ha'kolcha d'Rab Shimon. V'tana seva l'odiyach ha'kolcha d'Rabbanon. O'bedin hu d'nifla l'Rab Shimon b'reisha. Al'anatul l'Rab Rabbanon. And then m'saymol l'mosayu v'hadr paligalayu. So, we say that, no, you know what? Really, Rab Shimon is arguing even on the first case. And what the mission is doing is that they're first presenting both cases. They present the first case, and then they present the second case, all within the first opinion, and then they present Rab Shimon, and Rab Shimon is arguing on both cases. For Rab Shimon, we're saying that he even argues on the first case. It's a bigger chiddish. It's a, it's more, uh, it's more mechudash. It's, it's uh, a greater novelty to say that Rab Shimon's perspective on the first Mishnah, meaning the first Mishnah is where Levi was born before Shimon did anything. And since Levi was born uh, before Shimon did anything, uh, so therefore you could have said that really they're not, he, he, Rachel is only viewed as Ruvain's wife, and therefore Ruvain and Levi were not, born, were not alive at the same time, so therefore there should be an exemption. Even in that case, Shimon says no, that Levi could still do Yibam, which is, which is a novel perspective. But that, Rabbi Shimon also, that, and the reason why we have the first case is to teach us of Rabbi Shimon's perspective. The reason why we have the second case is to teach us how far the first opinion will go. That the first opinion will say that, you know what? Levi is totally exempt. Even in the case where Levi is born after Shimon did Yibam, after Rachel is viewed as the wife of Shimon, and then Levi is born, and Levi and Shimon were, were alive at the same time, still there's an exemption because Rachel is also Ruvain's wife. And since Rachel is also, was also Ruvain's wife, and Ruvain and Levi were never alive at the same time, there will still be an exemption. And so therefore we need to have both cases. The first case is teaching us how far Rav Shimon will go. The second case is teaching us how far the first opinion, the Tanakama, will go. Rav Shimon will say that even in a case where Shimon didn't do anything and Levi is born when Rachel is viewed as Ruvain's wife, he could still do Yibam, which the Gemara is going to explain in our next recording why that is. He could still do Yibam. That's the opinion of Rabbi Shimon, and it's also telling us how far the Rabbanon will go. The first opinion will go to say that in a situation where Shimon did Yibam and then Levi's born, we'll still say that there's an exemption from Yibam Rachelitza for Levi because Rachel in the end of the day was still at one point in time married to Ruvain, and Levi and Ruvain were never alive at the same time. We're going to continue with the Gemara to understand the perspective of Rabbi Shimon in the next recording.